If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And guess what? It's free. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It was a loud banging on the door. And she went to go see like who was at the door. And she looked out. It was like a glass in the middle of the door. And she looked and uh, she, I guess she saw whoever she saw. And she like uh, hit the latch on the top to lock it even more and walk back in the kitchen. But it was still pounding on the door. And I walked up to the door. I couldn't see anything because I was so small. But next thing I remember was like glass shattering. And it like cut me in, the, in my head. And I had just blood running down my head. And um, I was like walking to my mama. And she saw the blood. And she was trying to get a towel to wrap my head because I was bleeding so much. But as she was doing that, like he was like smacking her around. and. They were throwing her against the kitchen, and I'm just sitting in the middle of the floor, bleeding. You know why he's manhandling my mother because of whatever his issue was. Our stories are what make us unique, but they're also what connect us as human beings. It's time to stop talking and start listening. This is You Talk, I'll Listen with Shannon Chapman. On this week's episode, we're going to tackle a subject that could be hard for anyone who has these types of experiences to talk about. So I'm grateful that my guest, Big A, has agreed to be an open book and share some of his difficult experiences in dealing with childhood trauma and how it affected his life. Big A, how would you describe your childhood overall? Um, it was pretty, you know, half and half. There was good parts about it and bad parts about it that I didn't really like. Um, but the good parts that I did remember, uh, spending time with my grandmother, things like that were really cool. Um, but then there was aspects of it of me, like, not being around my mother because there was times where I didn't live with her. And that was uh, kind of just made me feel weird about the situation and mixed emotions about it. As a kid, when you're growing up, you don't really realize, like, when you're in a bad situation, you don't really know anything. So you just, you just go with the flow. You don't really have an option. But um, when you get older and you get start having perspective on things and then you start to, like, see, like, how you came up and the stuff that you went through is... I mean, it's kind of, like, it wasn't cool <laughs> on no level. But, you know, I didn't know anything about money. I didn't have a, a concept of money. And I didn't know that we were poor. So, but we were still having fun and making the best out of a situation that we were in. And us being so young, we really didn't have to think about those things. But when you would hear things, like, for instance, if I went to school and my, mama, my mother didn't have a lot of money, so we would wear like the same clothes over and over again. And 
stuff like that. And kids will point that out and talk about us and stuff like that. And then you start to think, well, you know, why I don't have this? You know, my friend have these and have these shoes and stuff like that. And you start asking questions and not really getting the answers you want. And then, you know, as you get older, you start putting things together and it kind of start making sense. And you hear people say, oh, well, yes, because you're poor or you don't have money. And Your father was an abuser. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, there was uh, times when I was like, um, I would say around about like five or six. And we used to live with his mother. And uh, there were times where like I would come up to him. He would be out in the front yard. She had a big front yard. And I would come up, you know, come up to him and he would be sitting in a chair. And uh, I'd be like, hey, dad, you know, what's up? And he was like, hey, man, you know, you know, get the, you know, F away from me. You know, I'm not your father, stuff like this. And, and I thought he was playing. I didn't really know what he meant when he said that. I just, it was something I never forgot, though. Um, and that was one part of it. And then the way he would treat my mother, you know, she would do something simple or something that, you know, he didn't like that she did or wouldn't do. And he would react, you know, violently. Um, there would be times where she would cook something and he didn't like it. He'd get mad. If she looked at him a certain way, he would be mad. Um, if she didn't open the door for him at certain times, she would be mad. Uh, if he handled us a certain type of way and she tried to correct him about it, that's an issue. Um, there were times where she tried to get away from him and we lived in the projects in East Nashville. And it was um, close to Christmas, I remember, because we had a Christmas tree set up. And I remember one time, um, it was a loud banging on the door. And she went to go see like who was at the door and she looked out, it was like a glass in the middle of the door. And she looked and uh, she, I guess she saw whoever she saw. And she like, uh, hit the latch on the top to lock it even more and walk back in the kitchen. But it wasn't still pounding on the door. And I walked up to the door. I couldn't see anything because I was so small. But next thing I remember was like glass shattering and it like cut me in, the, in my head. And I had just blood running down my head. And um, I was like walking to my mama and she saw the blood and she was trying to get a towel to wrap my head because I was bleeding so much. But as she was doing that, like he was like smacking her around and you know, throwing her against the kitchen. And I'm just sitting in the middle of the floor bleeding, you know, while he's manhandling my mother because of whatever his issue was. So, I mean, those things was like really traumatizing. And even though like I, those things had happened, like I still had love for him because he was my father and I didn't know no better. I just thought it was okay. I thought it was normal because I saw it so much. So what was it that kind of opened your eyes to what was really going on? Uh, I would say like once, like when, when my mom had moved again and uh, when she got away from my father and when he would start coming around and stuff. And then when she got with my stepfather um, and I saw how he treated her, and he was, you know, kind and gentle and worked hard and, he did everything he needed to do for kids. It wasn't even his. Um, seeing that made me realize, like, what my father was doing or did do wasn't cool. And uh, that's not how a man is supposed to act. You know, 
neglecting your responsibilities and not being there for none of them. Even if you have an issue with the, you know, the, the mother, like you don't even have time to take out for the kids. You know, it's like, um, that's when I realized like things was like, yeah, this ain't how it's supposed to be. And then when I was in school, I would say like junior, junior high school, I would go spend the night over some of my friends' house. Some of them were white. I played football with. And I would go to like their homes or like their part of the town. They live in like the suburb. And I've never been to the suburbs before. I even heard of suburbs. So it was like when I went there, like it was just, it was mind blowing. I was like, you rich? Are you live in a mansion? Because like a regular size house, you know, in the suburbs to me looked like a mansion. It was so big compared to like living in a very small, you know, apartment in the projects or in the hood, whichever part of town we lived in. And then plus I shared a bedroom with my brother and sister. And so like that was like changing. And then when I come back home, it seemed so small. And it was like, man, what's going on? Like, why we don't live like that? Like, why we don't move like that? And I would ask my mama questions like, you know, why won't we get a house? <laughs> why don't we move? Why don't we do these things? And she wouldn't really say anything other than like, are you going to pay for it? But, you know, I didn't really understand. So I would say those are like parts of like when I realized like things were just wasn't clicking. Like well, we should be doing this, but we living like this. And then I didn't really understand why. Experiences like that. What effect have they had on your life? In a positive way, it showed me what not to be. You know, when I had kids, I always, you know, before I had children, I always, you know, knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be like him. I didn't want to be like my mother either. I mean, my mother has great characteristics, very smart, very intelligent woman. But there's things about, you know, how she moves in certain aspects that I didn't want that to rub up on me. You know, I think it was more, not like she's a bad person or anything like that. I think it's just because of her upbringing. She lost her mother at an early age. I think like when she was like 15 or something. And then like right after she, um, her mother passed away. I think her mother was like 36 when she died. And then my mom was like 15. And then she got married to this dude in the Navy when she was um, like 16, something like that. And so, I mean, she had to grow up pretty quick and from a traumatizing experience. And um, I think she had issues that she never really dealt with. Like uh, mental health is an issue that we don't talk about in uh, my community um, because it's like, it's brushed off like, oh, somebody's crazy or something, but they don't really, like, deal with the issue. So, you know, those are things that uh, I felt that I didn't want to rub off on me, and I tried my best to, but in some kind of way it did. <laughs> like, uh, man, it's just life, but you don't, you don't know. Like, I had a conversation with my brother about it. Um, he's in prison, and we talked about, you know, just growing up and our experiences and stuff and the things we were taught and what we thought were you know, real and not real and, you know, just a false, you know, a false belief of what we were taught. You know, we were just blinded by everything because it was moving so fast. But um, having that talk about mental health, and, you know, thinking about anxiety and stuff like that. And what was that? You know, we were having panic attacks sometimes and we didn't know what that was, like, because nobody talked about it. Like, I remember my cousin was telling him, uh, everybody about him having some type of problem where he couldn't focus, he couldn't think, and he just felt like he was changing and slipping away. And 
And nobody knew what it was. They just thought he was crazy. But he was having, you know, he was having, he was mentally depressed by the things he was going through in life and things just wasn't stacking up for him. And, I mean, I had the same issues. My brother had the same issues, but we didn't know what it was. We couldn't identify. So we didn't know. But learning about those and putting it in the perspective of like, oh, okay, that's what that is. And then learning how to deal with those issues and then not, you know, if our kids are having problems or issues, we're not shutting them out, taking them in. We're talking to them about the issues so they can be more verbal and, you know, get that off of their chest and they don't let it sit there like how we did because we didn't have nobody to talk to, no outlet or nobody. Nobody wanted to listen. Like, oh, I mean, you crazy. You know, don't worry about it. You okay. Go to sleep. <laughs> After experiencing all that as a young child, like what was your mindset as a teenager? I would say when I was like about 13, 14, uh, my mindset at the time was um, trying to feed my brother and sister. There were times where we didn't have food, we didn't have lights, we didn't have water. My job, I felt, was to, you know, be the best, best I could for my brother and sister, even at an early age. So the sense of hustle and drive, you know, that was my motivation for that. Even though I'm a child, I looked at them like my kids. And so I had to do things that you know, I'm not proud of, but I had to feed them. I started a, a lawnmower service when I was like 13, 14, and I would have my bike and I would attach my lawnmower to the back of my bike and I would ride around the neighborhood and ask uh, people if they wanted their grass cut or if they wanted uh, their uh, leaves raked, trash taken out, watch their car, <laughs> watch their dog, anything, like whatever I could do. And I would do that, and you know, I got pretty good at it. And then at the end of the week, I would go around and I would collect my money. <laughs> I would have more money than I ever seen in my life. And then um, I would take it, and then I would give eighty percent of it to my mother. And then I would take the other, you know, buy candy and you know, stuff the kids like, and you know, putting food on the table. I mean, it felt good to do that, you know, because they didn't have to worry, and uh, that felt good. It wasn't always like that, but then there was, you know, bad parts about it where I live at, you know, vultures that are around and they see you doing that and they get wise to what you're doing and you're a child, you're not really thinking about it. You know, all of a sudden I'm on my way home and you get robbed for everything. And then we back at square one. What was life in the streets like? Dangerous. Um... From every aspect of it was dangerous. At first off, it you know it was kind of like a cool thing to do, uh, to be known, you know, in the streets, have a reputation. You know, it started off really simple. You know, you'd be a kid. Oh, you got a bike? Yeah, I got a bike. Okay, hey, look, I need you to take this over here, drop it off, come back. I get twenty dollars. Twelve years old. He's like, okay, cool. Bet. Do what you do. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, look, come back. I need you to do that again. You might be riding down the street, going to the store somewhere. Hey, stop, come here. Do it again. And you figure out what you're doing, what's happening. And it's like, oh, you know, somebody tell me, oh, you, you know, you selling drugs for X, Y, and Z. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm just taking this over here. And he's like, no, you selling drugs. 
you don't know you doing it, but that's what you're doing. But then by the end of the week, you know, I got over 200 and something dollars in my pocket. But why would I stop doing that when, you know, we barely got food on the table? I can't even eat nothing. I'm wearing the same clothes and shoes every day. So kind of progressed from there. It's just a snowball effect. You get older, you start learning about everything, and then you, get, you dive deeper and deeper into it. And then you start to see, like, it ain't all fun and games no more. Like, there's a lot of risk, not that much reward. And it started to change. You start to see friends getting killed. You start hearing stories about certain things, about certain people. People getting set up. People uh, getting snitched on because they can't do the time. And people that I know, you know, good people, are uh, in prison today because of people who told on them to save their own neck. You know, but that's a part of the streets. I mean, if you win it, then it's just how it go. Being in the streets is, it ain't cool. I didn't do anything I did for notoriety, to get a nice car, or anything like that. All the things that I saw, I didn't want that. I just wanted to provide. But at some point, it got out of hand. And it got real dangerous. <laughs> and then I wanted to change that. And then when I had my son, that really changed it. Because I was young, I was 19. And uh, all I knew was I just had a responsibility to take care of. And that changed my life. Like the course that I was on. And it freed up a lot of, a lot of the things that I was going through and I was doing. It just suddenly stopped. Because if I would have kept doing the things I was doing, I'd either be dead, like, no question about it, or in prison. Because the people that I was really close to, they did. About 13 of them, but they're gone. Some of my best friends, you know, I saw my best friend get shot when I was nine, right in front of a church. I was doing a dice game. He was young. He shouldn't have been doing it, but some older dudes pulled out a gun and shot him in the head. And people just... Act like it wasn't nothing. You know, they just really just, I don't know, you get numb to things like that. And you don't really think about it. You're just moving. But then when things started to change for me, when I started realizing like what I was doing to people and how it had an effect on certain people, it just made me feel bad. Like after the fact though, but while I was doing it, I didn't think about it. Because I had to be a different person than a normal person. You know, you got to think differently. You got to move differently. You got to handle people differently, situations differently. You constantly feel like you're under surveillance, and you probably are. So you were basically operating on survival. Yeah, you got to survive because you can't, like, relax and think everything is okay because that's when things go bad. I was smarter than most because I didn't go to jail for drugs. I went for, like... Very small things, <laughs> but majority of the people that I know are in prison. Like my brother's facing 15, you know, first offense, but 15 years. He served seven, but it's not worth it. Like time is a luxury and you can never get that back. Like no matter what, like it's going to continue to move forward. You get older. I don't want to be 30 something in prison and you get hit with a 20 year sentence. You know, by the time I get out, my kids are grown, probably have kids. Life has changed. People that I knew are gone. Like, 
nah, I'm okay. I just live a normal, you know, <laughs> boring life. You know, it's much better than the alternative. Like, no matter what, how it look on TV or movies or how people rap about it in a song, like, I kind of, like, when I hear it in music, I kind of cringe because they tell you one part of it, but not telling you the bad parts of it. Like, it's just one thing. Or just use it. It's, it's way more complicated and dangerous than what these little kids out here listening to think it is. They just think it's cool because their favorite rapper said it, said it was, but ain't nothing cool about it at all. So you mentioned rapping. And y'all probably don't know this, but Big A's a dope rapper. Like, his voice is super unique. But how does what you've been through influence your music? Heavily, because my music pulls from my life experiences. Everything that I talk about and I rap about is things that I've done, I've seen done, I've been involved in or experienced. Um, it's not fictitious or anything made up. And so I feel like my, my job is just to tell my story the best way I can and don't fabricate anything. You know, I can't spend my time worrying about what everybody else got going on and what they're doing um, and what's popular, what's current. I just talk about what I've been through. And what I know, because that's the only thing that makes sense to me. And the things that I've been through in life, you know, it, music allows me to escape and to ventilate, you know, those, uh, those moments in my life that you know, I wish to, like, just put in a box and lock away. So when I do music and I rap about it and I talk about it, it's kind of like letting that go. That's like your therapy. Yeah, it's therapeutic. Do you think that... There is a blessing that's come out of your struggle and the things that you've gone through. Yeah. I mean, I would say if it wasn't for some of the things I've been through in life, uh, I wouldn't be able to read people the way I can. I wouldn't be able to have the understanding of how life really is, you know, without going through it. Because, you know, you may have like secondhand experiences for somebody. You may have an understanding of that to a degree, but going through it is a totally different thing. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go through it to have that type of that level of understanding, but like going through the things I've been through, it made me mentally tougher, um, made me more humble because I know like, you know, no matter where you are in life, you know, things can be snatched from you easily. You know, it taught me how to survive. You know, I have cousins who grew up with money, and when that money went away, like, they didn't know what to do with life, because everything was handed to them, and they struggled. They struggled worse than I did, and I came from the struggle. So I was, you know, fortunate, you know, just to be able to put two and two together and have a sense of hustle and drive and motivation to be able to change my life and change the narrative. You know, rewrite that generational curse that uh, 
my family's been going through. You know, I dropped out of school, but then I went back to school. You know, it was an online school, and I got my diploma, and I tried to go to school for culinary arts. I did go to school for culinary arts for a little while. And then I thought, like, well, hey, you know, if I did that, you know, it may make my brother and sister, you know, motivate them to do something. And it did, you know, it motivated my brother a lot. He went to school, he got his barber license, and he went to uh, school for um, uh, business, business administration. So he got like an associate's degree in that. Even though he's in prison, he's very intelligent. But um, yeah, there was there was very positive parts about it. But I wouldn't wish what I went through on nobody. You know, you can pick and choose what you want to take out of that situation. You know, from making bad decisions, bad choices in life, you have to learn the hard way in order to, you know, figure out what it's going to be. But I think the negative part is not having my father in my life kind of made it harder because I didn't know what a man was supposed to do or not supposed to do. And uh, I didn't know how a man really conducted themselves because my ideal of a man was a hustler because I would always see drug dealers and I was influenced by them because they had nice cars and money and girls. They were popular. My uncle, you know, he was a pimp. He had a bunch of women and stuff and really slick at the mouth and drove nice cars and motorcycles and stuff. He had a lot of girlfriends. So that's what I thought a man was. I thought you had to acquire a lot of stuff, be popular, have money, and uh, that would make you a man. But, you know, growing up, and going through my experiences from, you know, being in the streets and stuff like that, like, that ain't what it is <laughs> at all, on no level, period. So what would be your message to kids who are growing up in a similar situation? The kids just going through a certain, a similar situation to what I've gone through, they should just know that nothing lasts forever. It's momentarily, even though it's bad and you're a kid and you can't do nothing about your situation. Try to find help from somebody um, and don't think you're the problem. Think something is wrong with you because there's nothing wrong with you. It's not your fault because you're in this situation. You're just a victim of your circumstances. But you can come out of that and you don't have to do, you know, the things that you think are cool to come out of that. You don't have to belittle yourself or become something other than who you are. Be original. Be yourself. Don't worry about what people say. They may tease you. Talk about you, anything, but you know, you gotta have a thick skin in order to make it out. I mean, it's gonna be hard. It's not gonna be easy. But God put the hardest on his favors, I think. You can make it out. You just gotta be resilient, know your worth, and try to connect yourself with somebody that's positive that can help you move forward. But you gotta say something. Because you don't say anything, nobody knows. And you're just going to be dealing with that situation alone until you get older and trying to figure out how to get out of that situation. You know, because the cycle continues, it repeats. You, know, you got generation of people that grow up in the projects. Mother have kids, their kids grow up, have kids, and then they in the projects. And then the cycle just continues, it don't stop. Like I see it all the time. Somebody got to stop it. Do you think that? People, and when I say people, I'm talking about like society, has certain misconceptions about people who 
grow up dealing with the things that you dealt with. Yeah. I think they do. I think they think we lazy. I think we don't want to do anything or we don't want anything out of life. They look down on us. And they look at us like, you know, we ain't nothing. You know, you in a nice neighborhood, you may be working in that area or whatever. And, or you may be walking down the street somewhere and they lock their car door, you know. Or you may see, you know, a white lady clutch a purse a little harder, you know, give you a side eye. You know, or you may walk into a department store and then they may follow you or, or walk out of the department store because they don't want to be in there with you, you know, things like that. They just look down on you. They look at you like, like you less than. And then they judge you without even knowing you. Like, oh, where you live at? So I live on the north side. Well, I live out south. What part? I live in Edge Hill. I live in, uh, you know, Willis. Oh, you live over there. You know, I talked to some coworkers that I used to work with. And like, oh, you know, that you get that. But they think everybody's bad over there, and that's not how it is. You got people that are hardworking individuals. They just, you know, victim of their circumstances. And so I think that, you know, when people look at us, quote unquote, they, you know, they prejudge us without knowing us. They don't want to get to know us either. They'd rather just stay blind to the fact. You know, they don't want to ask any questions. They already automatically assume. They feel like they know everything because of, you know, stereotypes. And yeah, that's parts of it, yeah. But for the majority of the people that live over there, that's not what it is. Like they want to get out of that situation and they're working hard trying to get out of that situation. You got people going to school, you know, they may live in the projects, but they're trying. They got to work twice as hard just to get half of what one person has who didn't have to work that hard to get. Yeah. I've actually heard people say and like seen people post things on social media that kind of allude to this perception that people who live in the projects or people who are on food stamps are lazy and they don't want to do better. Yeah. Yeah, that's not true. I know they think that, but that's definitely not true. Like, at all. We want to do better. We want to get out of our situation, but it's hard. Like I said, I mean, how did you come, how did you go to school that's supposed to be a positive environment, even though you're living in a negative situation? You go to school, it's supposed to be a positive environment, but you go to school, and that ends up becoming a negative environment. You get picked on because, you know, Wearing the same stuff. Clothes are not up to date. Shoes are not up to date. You know, you get picked on. Your teachers not really paying that much attention to you. Or you have teachers to tell you, you know, I'm only here for a check. You know, I've had teachers tell me that. Like, I don't care if you come to class or not. I've had a teacher call me a nigga. <laughs> you know, it didn't really matter. I had my, had raised my hand, asked questions. She wouldn't, you know, pick me. I like to read. I like to do all these different things. And then they be the last to get picked, you know, about anything. You feel, you know, just shut out. Even at school, was supposed to be positive. Then you come home and then you deal with negative stuff. You got, you know, drug addicts, prostitutes, drug dealers, gang members, uh, abusive uh, parents or people in your parents who are abusers. You know, physically, sexually, you know, all these things, you know, it's like how do you, how do you have a positive mindset? And they say, well, you can do it too, you know, 
Yeah, you can, but I can't. I can't even focus. I can't even sleep. There's times you wake up and you not even, you wake up in cold sweats because you just, it's like you have PTSD because it, the things are so traumatizing. And people don't realize that. They just think it's, you know, they they stuck there. They'll come out. If they come out, if they don't, they don't. But, you know, they had the same opportunities, X, Y, Z, to, in the, to a degree. We do have the same opportunities to a degree. It's not the same. I'm not going to get the same education. Somebody who lives in Brentwood or goes to Franklin Academy, and I go to Stratford. All black school, underfunded. The books are outdated. The teachers don't care. <laughs> like, we're not going to have the same experiences. So, like, no matter how much you apply yourself, like, you got to work harder in order to get just to get a small taste of what somebody else can get easily. And they're like, well, how come you didn't do what I did? And it's like, well, I'm doing it. But like, how can I do it differently when I, I don't have the, the resources available to me? So that's what they think. They don't know because they don't want to know. And they don't want to deal with the issue for real because they don't have to see it. You know, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. I know what I know because of stereotypes. And then that's just that. That's not the case. What resources do you think would help people in these types of communities that want to do better, but they just don't have the resources? I think better outreach, pro outreach programs will help a lot. For one, just for kids in general. Like my, my main objective is just like it's kids. Like the adults, yeah, I want to help them too, but it's the kids that need to help the most because they're the most influential. They get influenced easily by things. And if they get influenced by the wrong things, they go down the wrong paths. And if there's resources available for them in the community, and you know, it, you know, you can do things a lot more. Like for instance, we had uh, a peewee football uh, league um, in the community where I lived at. And it was outside of the community, but they would come into the community and pick up the kids and sign them up if they wanted to play a sport. Football, basketball, um, I think it was ballet for some of the girls, um, karate. And those are like positive things. Um, not saying that you have to have those things, but something similar to that. You know, where they getting the education that they need that's going to actually be beneficial for them. You know, not just what they're learning in school, but the things that they're going to actually need. Learning about finances and how to manage your money. You know, we don't, we don't, they don't teach that in school where I, where I went to school at. They still don't. You, know, you may learn about economics, but they're not teaching you how to like actually handle money, what to do with it. They don't teach you about credit. teach you about nothing. But these are things that they know because they grew up with. You know, I had a, a guy I worked with. He said that he knew about stocks when he was like nine. He was, it was just normal. And he was talking about it like it was a normal thing. It's like, oh, yeah, my grandmama did this, and, and her husband did this. And then when they died, they left this to me, and I had this stock here, and I moved out here. And, like, he was talking about like it was a normal thing. Like, I'm an adult, and I don't even know what you're talking about. And I had to go back and do research. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, what is that? What is this? What is that? If I would have known that growing up, it could have turned out a lot different if I would have had that knowledge. I think uh, kids need somebody to 
look up to. They feel like they're protected, feel like they cared about. Um, I think those are some things that, that is needed in the community where I come from, having access to stuff. We don't have access to anything. Library. But if you want to do something like, I don't know, further your education, tutoring, like you, they don't even offer that. Like your mama have to pay for that. Or they, she have to go to like the state and they offer like a program if you like on food stamps or something like that. And then they'll send like a tutor or over the phone tutor. And it, it's not, it, they don't even help. So just having access to different things, having resources available to them, like would make a world of difference. It would help them a whole lot get out of their situation. Do you have any last words or messages for people who are listening? If you, you know, prejudge people and you don't know anybody, don't do that. You know, you don't know a person's situation and what they go through. And if you don't care enough, you know, just stay out of it because you're not helping the issue by continuing to spread false narratives about people. And you don't know these people. And you don't know their situation. For the people that are going through the situation, you know, keep your head up. Put God first. Know your worth. Know what it is you want to do and do it. You only got one life to live. You know, time to wait for nobody. Put your best foot forward, man. And surround yourself with like-minded people. and Overcome, you know, your situation. Be the first. If ain't nobody else did it, be the first to do it. And then show them how to do it. I can give somebody a fish, but if I teach somebody how to fish, they're going to eat for life. Appreciate you for letting me interview you. Thank you. (laughs) My first interview. I appreciate it. This week's mic drop moment was difficult for me to write because there were so many thoughts running through my mind after listening to Big A's story. For some people, trauma has become normalized because it spans throughout generations. However, all it takes is one person to break that cycle for the next generation. Mental health issues should not be taken lightly, and it doesn't mean you're crazy if you have them. These issues can be caused by trauma and can affect decision-making, which can cause more trauma, another cycle. The major difference between myself and Big A is that while I was born into generational opportunity, he was born into generational trauma and poverty. It's easy to say that everyone in this country has the same opportunity, But do they really? Where's the starting line in this race? I was already 100 meters ahead of Big A when I was born. Even if our hard work is equal, I still win. The old cliche phrase, knowledge is power, is really true. When you know better, you can do better. Access to resources and opportunity can even the playing field and allow more people to break that generational curse. If you liked this episode, there is much more to come. Subscribe to the You Talk, I'll Listen podcast so you won't miss it. We'd also love for you to leave us one of those five-star reviews. We discussed a lot of intense stuff today. So if you or someone you know needs help with abuse, depression, or other mental health issues, please check out the resources in the show notes. And last but not least, Big A is an up-and-coming artist. If you want to stay up to date with what he's working on, 
look for the link to his SoundCloud and Instagram page in the show notes. Grace and blessings. Blessings.